Hello and welcome to the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. I'm John Hassel. I'm Stuart Beard. And in this podcast, we're finally going to be talking about the M9. It's been a long time in the making, this one, for such an important route. You're right, John. It is one of these roads that people have a lot of interest in. Um, but they often seem to forget about it as well. I know. It's just one of these motorways that, that exists. I know, we spend so much time talking about the M8 and the M74, and certainly our listeners' questions seem to revolve around these roads. I know we focus more in Glasgow, but we have been known to waft further into the east lately. You know? Yeah, so. people, people do seem to have a genuine interest in the, the roads to the east, yeah. and uh, we've, we've done the M90 now, and we did the Edinburgh City Bypass in, oh, in previous yeah. episodes, so the M9 will be a nice Good. addition to that. It has, and I really enjoy researching these, and I've been heading these up, and getting in touch with some of the people who actually worked on it. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to hearing some of the facts and figures that you've unearthed, okay. uh, like I was doing with the, the Kingston... Uh, bridge 50th anniversary stuff it's good to get yourself into a nice wee subject matter yeah, and dig up some, totally. some new info so I'm looking forward to hearing what you've got to say <laughs> okay you're kind of frowning at me there like like, like, like it's you're ready to test oh, me oh I'm ready because you got I'm questions to, yeah well I'm going to be the quiz master uh, <laughs> okay. you know I, I do have questions in my mind about the road that have okay. been on my mind for quite a while and uh, I'm hoping either you will either answer them as we go through or that I'll be able to ask you these questions right um, Okay. As we approach the end or whatever. That's fine. Before we start, um, all the information that I'm going to share uh, about the the M9, specifically the historical stuff, would not have been possible um, without some people. And these are former Fairhurst employees. The engineering consultancy. Engineering consultants, Fairhurst. Um, They would be Robert McCulloch. Okay. Um, You know, uh, we have Bob Pritchard, who's been... Great in collating all this information. And these guys, uh, well, Bob Pritchard and, and Kevin McCall and Jim Tate, these these three gentlemen are, are now retired. Okay. You know, so um, they provide a lot of the information on the sections that they've worked on. Yeah. You know, so a big thanks to these guys for spending the time to put some of this information together and answer some of my questions. Yeah. So I can cascade that to our listeners. And, I, and I'll say a thanks to Graham Yule, who gave us a lot of information on the yep. northern sections of the M9 a few months back as well. So that has come in very handy. Uh, so thanks to Graham too. Yeah, well, Graham's been great because he's kept a lot of these things over the years, you know, that we've been able to go and look back on and, and certainly check and challenge some of the oh yeah the views that we had on when things mm-hmm. opened and when they, they actually opened. So M9 is quite a long road. Um, the way I'm going to tackle it is I'm going to go from south to north because that's the order that the junctions go in so that's from newbridge yes all the way to sterling yes okay and finishing on kia roundabout on the where where it meets the a9 at dunblane yes that's right okay so facts i've got some loads of facts about this thing but overall looking at it the m9 is 32 miles long that's 52 kilometers it's dual two lane mostly with hard shoulders and it has 12 junctions. And it starts at Newbridge, and as you've said, Stuart, goes up and ends at Dunblane, Keir Roundabout. Yep. Okay. It was built in stages, um, like many of these longer routes, and opened between 1968 and 1980. So a good 12-year period, kind of similar to a lot of the Glasgow schemes, a lot of intense yeah, construction exactly. of motorways going on at that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that kind of makes sense, that that would all tie into that. Yes, uh, yeah. it was. Okay. Um, looking at these things now, um, some something here before I just completely break down every single section uh, that we're going to go through. The overall strategy that was looked at for this route was something that there was a need to connect the central belt with the north, but not via 
the fourth road bridge as well and also serve places such as Falkirk and also serve Stirling and also connect up with the Concarden Bridge yeah. and so on and provide and, that. Corridor. And the Greensmouth Refinery and all the industrial huge kind of industrial there. kind of powerhouse that you've got there and move things across. Okay. So the the, the way I'm, I said I was going to go from south to north we'll start the story at Newbridge. Okay. okay? Yeah. So um this is the Newbridge to Lethallan section I'm going to talk about first. So that's junction 1 to junction 4. Okay, yeah, right okay. at the bottom. I know the bit you mean. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right so that bo- was all one one section, was it? Or it was actually put out into separate contracts. Right. Some of okay. these ones here. So um specifically three but i will get into that and okay. how that okay. worked yeah. okay and this all this information was provided to me by these these former fairhurst employees okay okay mm-hmm. so um the section between newbridge and lathalan was actually opened in two stages but there were three contracts and i'll, t- I'll explain why okay the first stage was from newbridge to murray hall which also included the m9 spur so you remember the M9 spur before you know it ended at Humby Roundabout. Yeah. Now, for for me, and I'm not from the east, and I, I have. You're wondering where Murray Hall is. You need to tell me where Murray Hall is, and, yeah. and you know, and I'm thinking about Humby and places like that. These are not names that I mm. hear on a regular basis. Yeah, you're far too entrenched in the west. Yes. Okay. Yeah, and the important right. parts of the world. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Humby Roundabout was where the M9 spur used to end. So this is just north of Kirkliston. So this is the old A thousand. Yes. So if you wanted to go to the fourth road bridge yep, yep. from the motorway network, you'd t- you'd go off at the Cuckliston Junction, mm-hmm. and you'd go on a motorway for really only about a kilometre and a half. Yeah. And then you'd be dumped down an Atgate roundabout, and you would take a single carriageway road that would lead to South Queensferry, and then you would join at Eckland to go to the fourth road bridge. Many a Saturday afternoon, I was queued on that yeah. road. Yeah. It was horrendous. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. But um, I've I finally managed. It's really exciting this because I I always wondered why that was left like that for so long why didn't they just connect it up with the fourth road bridge approach roads which were built you know kind of six years earlier yeah well i've, I've got the answer good and all good. will be revealed good. so that's where humby is humby was an old roundabout um where, where the m9 spur just stopped right now murray hall is a place if you put it into google not much comes up yeah okay murray hall is on the m9 just kind of uh, i would say northwest of the the kirkliston junction where which is junction 1a Mm-hmm. Um, and this actually was a site of a, t- a temporary terminus. Ah, okay. So it, it's not it's not that far along the M9. I mean, we're talking maybe a mile. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just north of the Nidri Bing. Which oh, you see that to the yeah, to the left hand side of the carriage like, yeah, you're going north. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> it's there uh, next to Winchborough. Okay. I believe some of the the burnt shale from that bing may have been used on the M74 Hamilton bypass stage oh, yeah. too. They were desperate to uh, use it go. and get rid of it. So yeah. now the guys go into that with some of their anecdotes. So okay. that's, that's going to be quite good. Yeah. Okay. So the M9 spur and that section from Newbridge to Mary Hall was opened on the 30th of November 1970. Okay. Oh, okay. So it was the 70s before the first piece of well. You think that there's I'm going to get into this, but there are some sections of M9 that are older. It wasn't built from south to north in order, ah. they built the middle bit kind of first. They oh, what they done was they built the Falkirk and the okay. Pole bypass first. And oh, that seems a bit ones. silly, but not surprising. <laughs> well, given what they were bypassing down there, mm-hmm. they done that first. Okay, you know, they've done the same thing with the M8 mm-hmm. Renfrew bypass first. 
True. You know. True. Yeah. So, and of course you did. You mentioned earlier that it yeah. was 1968 to 1980 that, that it opened. That's so, right. Yeah, that, yeah, okay, so, so. <laughs> we're starting in the middle of the story, but at the bottom of the road. Okay. <laughs> okay. This will all make sense to you guys by the time I get to the end. Hopefully. I hope so. Okay. So Newbridge Mary Hall was designed by Fairhurst, and the construction contract was originally awarded to A. M. Carmichael in the late 1960s. Oh, so that's, un- that's unfortunate. <laughs> well, yeah. Unfortunately, our <laughs> Carmichael went bust, and it was tarmac. Um, who took over and actually completed the section. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what they wanted to do at this, there was a bit of a rush. They wanted to try and get this section of the M9 completed at exactly the same time as the M8 coming in from, coming in from the Livingston other side, and Newbridge, which yeah. did beat it. The M8 actually connected to Newbridge in 1969, I believe. It should have been earlier than that as well. E.M. Mm-hmm. Carmichael, funnily enough, also had that contract. Yeah. And uh, Tarmac ultimately finished that as well. Uh, an interesting uh, piece of trivia here that I happen to know about that, that section uh, is that E.M. Carmichael won it as the cheapest tender. Mm-hmm. They then went into liquidation months before the roads were due to finish. Yeah. Uh, the second place tenderer was Duncan Logan, Mm-hmm. who were the joint venture on the Kingston Bridge and others. They also went into liquidation in oh. early 1970. And uh, so it was left to Tarmac, who were actually the third-placed tenderer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe the Scottish Development Department reached, uh, not a settlement as such, but they agreed a figure mm-hmm. that they would pay to Tarmac to allow them to finish the contract. So this is Tarmac that became Carillion. That's right, yeah. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, look what happened there. Yes. So, indeed. you know, it, it all goes around. So... Mm-hmm. Um, at the southern end, so going back to M9 now, uh, there was Newbridge Roundabout, which was where the M8 ended and connected with the A8. So like I said, it got there first. Yeah. Okay. Um, the M8 was a year ahead of the M9 being opened in 1969. Uh, they connected the M9 north of the roundabout with the intention of having free flow links from the M9 southbound to the A8 eastbound. Oh, now this is the A8 between Newbridge and passing Engleston and, and, the, and the Edinburgh and the airport, airport and out to Gogo. That's right. So um, I, I found it kind of somewhat strange as he also wanted the M8 free flow towards Edinburgh by future-proofing Claylands mm-hmm. at the time. So when they built the M8, they built it in such a way that they could make the Claylands interchange, so, which is the big, big junction. Anyone's wondering where, yeah. where the M9 and the M8 now sort of meet. Mm-hmm. So I guess you know. they must have had some kind of plan where the two motorways were going to converge eventually further east nearer Edinburgh. Uh, possibly although i might i mean i just don't have the answer for this but i yeah. think it could have just been a free flow link onto the a8 at the time all right you okay know? so yeah. they wanted to relieve pressure on the roundabout, on the roundabout you know? which as we know became mm-hmm. a problem anyway it did it really really did so um they did so they which Clylands didn't come along until the mid 1990s and, and you know by that point this plan to have this free flow link but under you know, the slip road leading to the air, to Newbridge Roundabout and then going to the A8 was gone. Mm-hmm. Um, and right here, um, it, it had a ghost bridge. You familiar with the term, a ghost bridge? I, that sounds like a bridge that died. <laughs> it's not Halloween yet, Stuart. So what they've done... Now, anyone who's using the M9 today, if you're heading south on the M9 or east towards Edinburgh and you come off the Newbridge Roundabout, you'll notice it's a very long slip road. Yeah, yeah. Does it, it kind yeah. of subtract? Mm-hmm. Well, what happened between... Well, what was the time we had there? Between 1970 and 1997, when the underpass was provided for Newbridge Roundabout, there was a bridge that went over nothing. 
right, on that okay. on that slip road, and that was where a free flow link to the A8 was meant to go. So I was going to go under the slip road. That's right. Okay. And there were even stubs on the the um, because at, the, at that point everybody was forced down that slip road anyway because there was no underpass. Yeah. And there was stubs on the M9 that were meant to be leading towards this, so okay. the main line would have almost gone through there. Is this? It- there's no evidence of any of this. Yeah, it's just now. what I was going to ask. Yeah. No, in 1997, when they decided we'll put the underpass in, this idea of connecting the M9 to the A8 with a free flow link was gone. Mm-hmm. You know, so they got rid of that. The M8 extension had gone through, and and that was that. So there was a bridge there that done nothing, and eventually was pulled away. Okay. You know, and there's no yeah. evidence of that on the ground anymore. Mm-hmm. I believe what the link would. Have, there's a sewage treatment plant near there, and oh. it would have just gone to the south of that. You know, all right. I do know that. The thing is, what would be great Mm -hmm. about this, Stuart, is you know, I mean, using that, the queues are 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 tremendous on that because loads of people using M9 to to AA would have been fantastic to actually have this. Do you know what the most impressive feature of that junction is now? Uh, The footbridge. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I think you were going to say that? I just think, yeah, the footbridge. You know, it's fantastic. The footbridge. Yeah, you get stunning views from up there. Yeah. Okay, so I've, I've spoken about that. Um, so Newbridge, uh, there's a bit of a later story with this. Of course, it did get grade separated, so it, it, it meant that the, the M9 could flow underneath, meet the M8. Yeah, I remember when that was being constructed. Because you, re- you remember what it was like before that. I mean, you told me some horrible, oh, yeah. chilling story about oh, these yeah. two motorways meeting at a flat well, roundabout. You, you might not be aware, not being from the area, mm. there used to be a huge open-air market on a Sunday mm-hmm. at Ingleston. On the Engelson showground site, right? You know, back when these open air markets, you know, traders markets were popular, mm. and it used to be a huge draw. And uh, when we would go through there occasionally and, and go to the market as people did, mm-hmm. and uh, the queues coming towards Newbridge to the roundabout at that point were horrific. Yeah, no, uh, I, I can do only remember imagine a few queues there. Yeah, mm-hmm. even without a market now, in ordinary days is horrendous. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there used to be a huge gorilla on that site. Uh, for the market that sat there for years and years. Does anybody remember the gorilla? Please tell me. It's not just me. If anybody remembers the English well, gorilla, we've got enough me. East Coasters <laughs> listening to this to, to resonate with that. Yeah, I can't yeah. be the oldest one who listens to this podcast or, or does this podcast. You're show. getting there. Um, so New, the Newbridge grade separation was actually designed by it was uh, was it Carl Bro? We think it was Carl Bro who did the design. That's for Newbridge, right. And yeah. It was opened in kind of late October 1997, and it was Morrison's Construction who done it. Incidentally, that was two years almost later than the M8 extension to the city bypass. It opened mm-hmm. in December 1995. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's, apart from that whole arrangement with the the slip road and getting onto the A8, it's pretty good. You yeah. know, it does mm-hmm. the job through the main line. Yep. So, from Newbridge to Kirkliston, this section was always three lanes. Okay? So, it always had the three lanes. And it passes over the River Armand, which is actually quite a big structure mm-hmm. that they have there. Yep. Um, the Kirkliston Junction is a full-grade separated trumpet type in the change. Why is it called a trumpet? Because it's kind of what it looks like. You look at it from the air. Okay. Okay. Uh, and thanks to the information provided by Jim Tate from Fairhurst, who was involved with the scheme at the time, he gives the following reason why they chose this type of junction. Okay. Okay, with the, with the big loop that goes round. Yeah. You know? So Jim says, We had carried out very detailed traffic survey before choosing where to put the road junctions. The surveys were carried out at Newbridge and then further along the old A9 at the junction to Winchborough and then further along the A9 just before Linlithgow. From the results of those surveys, it was decided to just have um, the one-way on and off bridge at the Kirkliston Spur because you remember before they upgraded the junction, you, you couldn't go down the spur and, and, and go west. That's right. And yeah. you couldn't go along the M9 east and go up the spur north. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a pain to get to the bridge. 
The trumpet came about because of the topography of the land at the site, which rises steeply to the southwest. To minimise the land take, it was decided to have a tight radius after the off-slip road. <laughs> this resulted in us having to get an Act of Parliament to allow us to place a speed limit on the part of the motorway. Now, what was yeah, our speed limit? I think it was 30 miles an hour. And do you think, it, and, and that is an enforceable mandatory limit, a yeah. 30 mile an hour I, on a, on a I motorway. I miss the old loop there. Uh, you know, I mean, the, the old loop there was always something, it was impressive because of how tight it was. Now, it wasn't mm. as tight as some of them in Glasgow. No, um, but this was a rural motorway yeah. with a tight loop. So it was quite it was quite tight. And, and you had to slow down mm. uh, when you, if you were taking the fourth bridge. And yeah. you were going up the M9, you you, you knew mm. you had to slow down, and the speed limit was there to back it up. I mean, Jim Jim hasn't said this, but trumpet interchanges tend to be tend to be very popular because they are cheap, because mm. you only need one bridge, yeah. and you can fully grade separate uh, two roads. Yeah. Whereas doing something like Craigton, for example, the M8 and the M898, you have three levels and it requires far more structures. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's why. Anyway. Um, that's that's the reason for that. Yeah. Okay. I suppose it, when you think back and with the benefit of hindsight, it's actually quite a short-sighted um, arrangement. Mm. It seems to me that in the East, they really didn't appreciate how popular the Fourth Road Bridge was going to become. Mm -hmm. They assumed that the A90 was going to deal with all the traffic and it was going to go into Edinburgh and that was it. But, mm. I, you know, it was realised that it must have been fairly quickly that more people were using it to go south and west of as well. Of course they were. Yeah. I, I don't... Uh, the, the the kind of how I've arrived at this conclusion is I don't blame the designers of the fourth road no. bridge and their approach no. roads. They had something to do. It was the after strategy on how to attach the motorway network yeah. to that where things went really wrong. The relationship between the Edinburgh City bypass, the fourth road bridge south approach no. roads, the M9, it was all stupid and 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 it still continues to be exactly and where glasgow had its comprehensive highway study yes and they looked at the entire initially the city then the conurbation mm -hmm. there was a more uh, holistic look at yeah how it was gonna exactly a consistent together. approach across the yes. entire area yes. in edinburgh the bridge was done as a separate thing yeah. and then the m9 was done as a thing and then the bypass was done as a thing and, and the m8 all, was done yeah. as a thing and then all these yeah. other bits of all none of it was joined was up no, and it was all pulling in different directions. And it's, it's even said because, uh, you know, some of the guys, you know, have given me the information is they, they, they didn't really know how it was going to connect either, mm -hmm. you know. But we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, so anyway, Kirkliston Junction uh, was modified in 2012-2013 as part of an advanced contract for the fourth replacement crossing, mm -hmm. which we know now as Queensferry Crossing. Yeah. Okay. So they decided, actually, we don't want everyone going off along the 904 anymore because that was a way that you got to the fourth road bridge if you were coming from the north down the M9 was yep. came off at junction 2 mm -hmm. so they added these extra slip roads there they improved the loop so it no longer has that speed restriction anymore although it does have an advisory limit on it yeah um so the, the junction can do everything do everything now all movements you know just that's an interesting point you mentioned speed limits there and before we move further north maybe we should chip in with one of the questions that we, that one of the, the listeners had good sent idea. in about that actually. good idea and the question uh, which came from um, Martin Gallagher uh, on Facebook was about why that 50 mile an hour limit exists through Newbridge you know we were mm -hmm. just talking about going under in the underpass yeah John do, do we know why that 50 mile an hour limit exists there well the short answer is road geometry and the spacing of the mergers and the divergers i'm presuming that they're talking about vertical geometry as in the dip yeah okay 
But when we're talking about mergers and diverge, we're talking because traffic's coming on at Clayland from the M8, yeah. merging. Then it's diverging for Newbridge Roundabout. And then you've got another merge again um, coming actually from Newbridge Roundabout itself, joining the M- M9 traffic heading. So, so really, north. you were obviously thinking it's, there's going to be so many movements going on There's a here. lot of movements that were going through it. And yeah. also you had this dip and up. If you look through there, especially when coming from the M8, your sight lines are not great. Mm-hmm. You know, going through there, so it's probably quite justified in my opinion. Because because they had to squeeze that in in a pretty tight space. Yeah, there was a, there's a blooming railway bridge there and all kinds of yeah. difficult things in there. So yeah. Okay, right. So that's good. So hopefully so that, that answers, that answers Martin's that question. question. Yeah. The spur. Going to talk quickly about the spur before we move on to the next sections. Uh, the M9 spur, which uh, just existed as a spur from 1970 to 2007 until it was extended to meet the A90 at Scotston, has been a bit of a puzzle to me, as you know, Stuart. Yeah. Jim Tate provided some info on why it only went to Humby Roundabout and didn't connect up to the A90 from the get-go. Jim says, The M9 Kirklesson spur was meant initially to go to a roundabout just before the 4th Road Bridge and join up with the A904. But this involved a lot of land to be purchased from Rosebury Estates, who were unhappy with the amount of land involved. Because of their objection, the Scottish Development Department decided that the motorway section should terminate at a roundabout on the old B800 road, and that the remaining part of the road towards the bridge should be upgraded and renamed A8000. Okay, so that's right. Kind of making sense then. So this, I'm trying to put myself in the thinking of the time. Is they went right? Okay, fair enough. We can't. We'll 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 do. We'll do what we can, and maybe a future generation will come along and try and fix it. But they did. So um, then they upgraded the the eight thousand slightly. Yeah. For those flows. Straightened it out, I believe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do that. So anyway, I spoke about Murray Hall earlier. Yeah. getting away from the spur yeah. uh, and there was a, a temporary terminus there to provide connection with the A9 which is now the B9080 catchy huh yeah um, Murray Hall for anyone wondering I've, I've said it's part of that um, just, just near Winchborough at the Bing um, this existed until the next section of M9 opened towards Lethallon okay now going north from here or west Maybe you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. The section from Uri Hall to Lethalum was actually then split into two contracts. Right, okay. Okay, so this is why I said there was three within this section and tendered at the same time. These two contracts were Murray Hall to Borough Muir and Borough Muir um, up to to Lethalum. Now, Borough Muir, I believe, is junction three. That's that's right. That's the Bonesh junction. It's Bonesh South junction. Yeah. If you're coming from the south to go to Bonesh, you use... You use that junction, I believe. Yeah, that's right, if, yeah. you, if you're rejoining. And you there's a, a motor maintenance depot. There is. There's one at, there's, there's at Barramuir, just before the slip road, if you're heading north. You know, you get around the back. Um, so they were both, Tarmac won them, both. Okay. Both of the contracts. The junctions <laughs> that include this were a couple of half-diamond junctions, one at Philpston and one at Barramuir. Okay. Philipston is that junction two? Junction two with the north facing slips. That's only got north facing slips, and Boromir has got the south, south facing, facing slips. slips. Yeah, okay. um, and they conducted the traffic studies, and they, that was perfectly yeah. adequate for the time. And I think they're both junctions yeah. that still do the job more mm-hmm. than adequately. Yeah, yeah. The thought was according according to Bob, you know, who who indicated that the traffic coming from the M9 West would not be intending to use the FRB. Yeah, uh, and would go via Kincardine instead. Uh, you know, as you know, most people eventually figured out, oh, you can get off at Junction 2 and you can go along mm. the 904 and that's and, what happened. And, and cut corners. Now, you mentioned the place there that has made a light bulb go on above my head. Right. Winchborough. 
Yes. Now, there's an interesting thing going to be happening at Winchborough, isn't there? Yes, that's right. I do talk about this, because you'll not believe this, but I found out something about Winchborough, but I also found out something about the Barramuir Junction as well. Did you? So, in short, just to give you a, a, a teaser of what Stuart is, is talking about, um, there's a new junction planned for the M9. It's not often we get to talk about future, new, exciting road things, no. but here we go. So, And I found something out, something else out. Don't have much information on it, but it's a talking point. So you're going to keep us in suspense until later on that? Yeah, I'm All afraid right. so, because okay. I've, got, I've got it kind of planned out here, okay. how we're, we're, we're going to talk about it, because that's kind of a, a look back on these sections. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, so now I'm just going to see where I'm up to with these things, and um, I'm going to be taking some of the, the stuff that, the engineers at the time who worked on the road, Kevin McCall, Jim Tate, and Bob, had to say about it. Okay, so I'm thinking about the Barmuir maintenance depot, and you know that depot's been there for a long time, and it's one that's actually owned by by Transport Scotland Direct, and it's just you know made available to whichever operating company is is managing the southeast. Yeah. Uh, you know, contract at Maybe any not. one time. It, now, for Scotland, that was actually quite an unusual thing mm-hmm. to have a maintenance depot that was accessed from the road because it's got its own it's entry and exit slip road. It's got works access yeah. and stuff. Yeah, so that's what that is. Fairly unique mm-hmm. in Scotland. You get a lot mm-hmm. of that down south. I, I wonder if there's anybody out there who can enlighten us on when that went in. Uh, I imagine it was a council depot originally. That's a good uh, question. It, I wouldn't know if it was would that have been Lothian Regional Council probably yeah it's, in it's not central it would have been Lothian I would imagine so interesting yeah. to know when it went when it went in uh, I I did do try and do a wee bit of digging but I couldn't come couldn't up with figure any out info. what it is no. you even got a wee sign when you go to the slip road going motorway depot yeah so if anybody uh, <laughs> anybody out there knows or who remembers when it got built let us know would you so we can yeah. we can add that into our records yeah it'd be interesting to know so yeah that's it so there is a bit of the M9 up here going towards Junction 4, Lathalem, with a carriageway split. Have you noticed this? Yeah, so, the now, let, tell me I'm right here. The northbound or westbound carriageway sits lower than the southbound or eastbound carriageway. Is that mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, so let's just say northbound for, for things. So there's lower. a big grassy verge between the two on a wee slope. That's right. So this is a bit where the M9 carriageway split and one is lower than the other. What, so, why is that? Well, I, I, I've got an answer here because I, I wondered it myself, you know, because we have a similar thing going on on the M74 at Canada Moss. Yeah. Now, this is just around about Linlithgow area, isn't it? That's right. It's yeah. at Linlithgow. Okay. So I asked Bob Pritchard and Kevin McCall, who both worked there at the scheme of time, and, um, you know, they've, they've got the following things to say. Right. So Bob says, uh, the split carriageways were suggested by the landscaping consultant who, are, um, was it Gillespie? I've got here for yeah, that. that. Yeah, that would be right. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. a way of keeping the road profile as low as possible without a deep cutting into the natural ground slope, primor- primarily in order to reduce the visual impact of the road, as experienced from Linlithgow Town, the Palace and the Lockside Walks. Of course, yeah. When you when you're at the Palace and you're mm-hmm. looking across east northeast. Yeah, you know the motorway's there, but you can't see. You can't it. see it, and they, and I, they tell you why. It's interesting. Now, I must admit, you know? I always thought that the reason you couldn't see it was because of the trees. Mm. But it's interesting now you say that because of these split carriageways, it's been done deliberately. Uh, Earth is the best soundproofing thing. Yeah, trees are not that great actually. No, no. you know. Um, Kevin says my appreciation was it was to hide the motorway from Linlithgow and the palace. It can included the use of and he's putting inverted commas here. Um, ha ha. Um, adjacent to the upper carriageway. It's a ha ha. It was a ha ha. So they built a ha ha wall. Um, so you tell me what a ha ha wall is. So it's it's like a screen wall, it's like an earth wall. Um, it's like. Because I call them buns. A bun is kind of different. A ha-ha wall is like a, an actual wall. 
Now, yeah. it's it's one you, <laughs> we'll need to look it up. I will, I will educate you on civil engineering of, of retaining walls and stuff later. But haha, <laughs> is a is a particular type of wall, right? Uh, okay. And, and I can imagine there that, that that was quite suitable. There's one near Chapel Hall on the M8. The new M8. Yeah, which is uh, quite well known and it's quite old. And uh, oh, okay. there's a few they're dotted all over the place, but uh, yeah, that's Melbourne. another talking point. Them point them out for me when we yeah. when we go out at the next point. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, Kevin carries on. He says, you know, it effectively screened the carriageway. There was a requirement to use invisible fencing at the top of the upper cuts instead of the standard post and rail. That sounds like chain link fencing to me. Same thing was used in Glasgow to make the the boundary look less obvious. Yeah, I mean, he he does put it in inverted commas. So, um, uh, you know, he says the invisible standing was a sturdy grey plastic coated steel mesh with posts of the same material which were covered in place. I take it. Yeah, yeah, you you called it out before I read it out there. So um, Bob carries on and he says uh, this was supplemented by extensive planting of the slopes. Uh, and verge drainage system to avoid the use of crushed rock infill. Ah. I think that um, what's he saying here? So yeah, he thinks that probably today's environmentally aware climate when the motorway would just not have been tolerated in such an intrusive position, or the viable alternatives were not immediately obvious. Well, he's, he is quite correct, but at the same time, mm-hmm. I would make people aware again, as we often do with Glasgow, and we make the, we point out that a lot of people assume that environmental and aesthetic things didn't come into motorway design. No, they in did, those days. and it did. And, they, and they this have, is they a, said they have their consulting architect. Yeah, you know? and this is clearly another example to show that even in that late sixties era, there it was would, consideration of you know local environment, and particularly where you've got a you know yeah. a, a sensitive area like, like Lithgow Palace. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's good to hear. It's good to see that those considerations aren't a new thing necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kevin has one last thing to say about it. He says, I recall the use of cold air ditches around certain planting areas to reduce the likelihood of frost pockets. It's the only time I've ever come across them. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, something something quite novel. There. Interesting. It's really good to hear from me. I mean, these guys were in their 20s when they were working on this. They were quite, you know, young guys back then because this was a while ago, you know. Yeah, so it's yeah. great they're recalling this for us. So uh, Bob and Kevin also have some information on some of the engineering challenges found on site. So some some issues that, that that happened out there. So uh, he says off the top of my head, the presence of uh, pink mine waste bings clearly was a factor in the motorway design. So it's like use as much fill as possible. Mm-hmm. And indeed, some of the black unburnt shell was used in places. I think experimentally, it could combust spontaneously if not properly compacted and covered. <laughs> so this is a shell. Um, okay. Furthermore, there was extensive oil shale mine workings beneath the route, especially north of Winchborough, which had to be consolidated with grout as a separate pre-contact. This, this, this is a classic West Lothian problem, isn't it? That yeah. They've got all these these old mine workings. Anywhere in, in central Scotland, you're going to have old mine workings yeah. and stuff to be considered. Many of the motorways have had similar. Uh, Kevin says about that. He says there was an attempt to uh, to cement stabilize the shale fill at formation level, which failed due to the high sulfate content of the shale shale um, blade. He says here. So yeah, some some kind of major kind of geotechnical issues that you have with that, and that's before you've even laid any blacktop. Yeah, you know. They go on to say, you know, regarding some of the construction challenges, there were a few incidents on site and quite quite tragic. 
actually. Oh. Um, so he says, I recall uh, a crane being lifted off the ground uh, and a very angry driver leaping about shouting and swearing. <laughs> a beam was lifted over a bridge pier using a mobile crane and another bit of plant. I think the craw- I think it was a crawler crane, he says. Okay. Somehow the crawler crane dropped its end of the beam so the whole load was taken by the mobile whose jib lowered and rested and pivoted on top of the pier. Oh, dear. Mm-hmm. Not good. And the mobile's cab drove... You know, so the cab and the driver went up in the air. You know, like a like a seesaw. Yeah, thing. there'd be a real steward's inquiry if such a thing happened. Well, now. he goes on to that. On an occasion, I believe one person was actually um, killed during a by by an earthwork scra- scraper. Yes. Kevin, Kevin kind of knew the guy. He says he was a retired land surveyor who Tarmac asked to help out with the earthwork quantities. He was surveying in an active cut operation on a very dry and dusty day. Uh, it was a D9 with towed box scraper. Uh, so some kind of plant at the time, and mm. it actually ran over the poor chap. Yeah. Uh, this is very sad since I spent many time working with him and learned a lot from the guy. So somebody was killed yeah. on it. Um, uh, Bob Bob says you mentioned about health and safety. Kind of, he says on the whole, health and safety in those days was much less strictly observed than the case nowadays. Checking steel rebar deep inside wall, shuttering anyone. Yeah, you you would never. Quite you just would. It, it gives you a good because we work in very health and safety conscious environments. You know, when we're out on site, so it is, it's insightful to know. You know how they they done things. Yeah. Apart from health and safety legislation, the other big change since those days has been the methods of procurement. My experience, you know, is with kind of the historic client consultant contractor relationships, uh, which were often advisorial, you know, and eventually were discarded in favour of the design and build. And it's several varieties, all with a view to reducing costs and shifting risks, Indeed. ostensibly to the party best able to deal with them. I.e. the contractor. Yes. So, no doubt there were many papers and books dealing with that transition. And whether it has been successful or whether or not for roads, uh, public works. It depends hospitals. who you ask. Yes. Yeah, so, kind of Bob is sounding off on some of the, the changes since then. And that. Um, so, so, right. So, we're, we're all in Lithgow then. Uh, Mm-hmm. Where did that section end? Well, it, it it just tied up at the section at the Linlithgow Junction because there was already a part of the M9 that was built by that point. Ah, so is this this early yeah. section you were so talking the, the about? So the kind of contract boundary at this point it went it went to Linlithgow and Linlithgow at the moment uh, the junction there at, at Lathallan, you know, is uh, a kind of a grade separated roundabout interchange. This is the one the roundabout sits up high, the motorway goes underneath. That's right, and the A801. Yeah. joins there. That's the road that comes across from the Whitburn Junction on the M8. That's right. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about that section because that's the oldest part of it, but you did ask me about Winchborough, about a junction, so I've got oh, some yeah. information mm-hmm. for you. Okay, there is a new junction proposed for the M9 at Winchborough uh, with the B8020. Now, this makes, um, I take it from a, a location point of view then, it's going to be between Kirkliston and junction Phillipston. Philpston, yes, yeah. it will be there, and it will be called Junction One B. Okay. It's going to be a dumbbell junction, and it'll be first. Um, it'll be full access. Full access. So Junction Two will still be re- be open. It'll be retained. Will as it? far as I know. All right. Okay. Haven't heard anything. Last I heard, it was meant to be starting late this year, but due to COVID nineteen, it's probably going to be pushed back. And what's the reason for this junction? It's to serve a new housing development in Winchborough. There's huge housing developments going in there. There's uh-huh. even talk about a new railway station. Okay. You know, yep. al- along that bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, interestingly, I came across some plans on an Urban Realm website okay. for a eastern expansion of Linlithgow with right. housing, which would mean a remodelling of Junction 3 Borough Muir into a full-access diamond as well. Oh, so they're really going to allow all the traffic yeah. heading for Edinburgh to squeeze onto the M9? 
they is really the what, what, they, what they really want to do is turn the M9 into some big commuter corridor. All right, yeah, uh, yeah. with all these kind of car-dependent estates and so. Well, then again, maybe not. I mean, if they're putting in railway stations, very, and very, stuff, very short-sighted. Because I mean, you know, it's going to fill up because the M9 uh, right now is one of these roads. That actually, it's not bad. Have you ever tried to use Ingleston Park at ride, park and ride after half nine in the morning? Not a space left. Mm. So you know, yeah, great. Build these Victim new junctions, build these success. hundreds of new houses in the commuter belt. But if you're not mm. going to provide well, adequate public transport options, which bra? Put in, put in the railway station. That'll make a huge difference. Doing something like that. Yeah. So, that's what those things are. But we'll move. We'll go. We'll go back in time. We'll go back to the sixties, and we will talk about. Um, we'll talk about this section that yep. goes, which which was known as the Falkirk Bypass. Okay. Yep. All right. So I'm just going to get my papers in order and see where I am at. So the Falkirk Bypass obviously mm-hmm. is one of the original. Schemes. Yeah. There had been proposals for a Falkirk bypass, I think, even before we had been talking about the motorway era. Um, I know that the their equivalent, uh, the East Coast equivalent of the Abercrombie report, mm-hmm. uh, and the guy's name slips my mind. That's at the where the M9's origins yeah. are in it. Couldn't, I couldn't find it earlier I think in my head. But I yeah. think his name might have been Mears or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. He was he came up with the equivalent study for the Fourth Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that a Falkirk bypass was first proposed in that. And I think it was always going to run kind of east mm-hmm. of the town rather than south yeah. and, and west of it because of the topography and, and whatnot of Falkirk in general. Yeah. No, you're right. And I've got some thoughts on it. We can discuss this one a little bit because there's some puzzling things about this section of road, I find. So um, this is from Junction 4 to just prior to Junction 7, and it's the Polkirk and Falkirk bypass stage 1. Okay, um, when I say to Junction Seven, it was actually just prior to Junction Seven at a place called Long Dyke. There was a temporary terminus on the road that's the A eighty eight. Now Long Dyke is still there. Mm-hmm. That's quite close to the Kelpies, I think. Yes, it's yeah. north of the Kelpies. Aye. Yeah, it's, it's near the Kelpies. It's just over the river. Yes. Yeah. That's right. Canal, sorry. So just what happened canal. is all the traffic was dumped there. You joined there, yeah. or came off there, and then you went down to Lathallan. Yeah. Junction yeah. 4. Yeah. Okay, so this was the first bit of the M9 to open, and probably the I would say it's most urban-y section. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Uh, it has a few funny features, such as at the Kelpies, it's obviously got the artwork there mm-hmm. uh, that went in, and it has. I've always felt this. This is a personal opinion, and I don't know why, but I speculate an odd junction arrangement between Junction Six and Junction Five. Yeah, that, so let me see if I if I remember right. how. So you're coming if you're going north, mm-hmm. you can go. Off You've got three five. slip roads, haven't you, at five, rather than four. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Yes. So I, I've put it here. Hopefully, hopefully this, this is coherent. So a junction five where there is no eastbound onslip at six, and the junction five eastbound offslip is about half a mu- kilometre prior to the actual junction at junction five. Yeah, it kicks you off onto the road. That's right. Yeah. Instead, they have this parallel distributor road, which is the A905 that runs alongside it and knits the two junctions together. Yeah. Uh, there is also no westbound offslip at junction six, so you have to come off at junction five to get to Falkirk. Yeah. I mean, it's so not you, a major... No, uh, well, um, I went to Falkirk a, a wee while ago and I find it difficult to get into. Did you? Yeah, I don't find Falkirk is very well connected to the M9, personally, because you have to go through Polmont to get to, to Falkirk because yeah. of that, and it's not there. Um, I mean, the roads are high quality when yeah. you're going through. You know, they're very wide and everything. I'm not sure if you've been in that part of the world. Yeah, many, 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 many times. Many, many um, times. Five, junction five, is that the one with the Marks and Spencers, BP, McDonald's? Or is that yes, six? Yes. That's five. That's five. Yeah, so that's the main one for Falkirk coming mm-hmm. from the south. Yeah. If you you're coming from through. the north, you would use you would you, you, 
you would go off just prior to five and you'd loop back on yourself and then go back under yeah or you might even use uh, the m876 yeah it's it's odd yeah you know it's 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 not ideal in some directions what i feel that junction five and junction six are two separate junctions and they're trying to work together mm-hmm. and they're they are quite close together there will be a reason for it uh mm. no doubt the, the, there was some reason at the time uh, i think it was to do weaving to be honest with you with two junctions quite close together it could be it could be the... because the dark part of the motorway doesn't suffer bad congestion no you know considering it's no, area. The uh, who's the designer of this section? This was it wasn't fast. This was Stirling County Council. So this was a council scheme them, mm. th- themselves. So I'm guessing then the council probably designed all of the M9 from this point. Yeah, they did. Yeah, okay, because it was did. all the old Stirling County. Yeah. Uh, who was the contractor in this stretch? The contractor that I've got here was Logan Construction. So that's Duncan Logan Limited that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Who also built Kingston? Unfortunately, I don't have a cost for it. In case you were going to hit me with that, I, I, I couldn't find that information out. That's quite it's all right. I might have that information to hand. Brilliant. I'll have a look and see. I might be able to give you the cost for that for that particular stretch. That would be so good. So you just keep talking amongst yourselves, and I'm going to see if <laughs> I can bring that up. Okay. Well, one of the things when I learned when I'd done this Edinburgh City Bypass. Um, podcast and the M9 is I don't have all the facts. This is the first time I've really dipped into the M9 trying to research it. I've had a load of help, but I don't know much about these um, Stirling County Council sections. So anything north of Junction 4 is really quite mysterious in terms of why the junctions are like that and so on, because I've, I've had the help with the, the southern sections from uh, from Bob Pritchard and, and, and Kevin McCall and Jim Tate. But um, for these other sections, I mean, if, if you guys know why these junctions are like that, if you're listening to that, if you maybe know somebody who used to work for Stirling County Council in the, the highways department, please get in touch and let us know. Right, Stuart's going to hit me with some information here. Go for it. Five million pounds. What a bargain. So Do you know it's actually not a very long stretch of road? No, it's not really. So five million pounds then would be roughly 75, 80 million pounds today. Mm. So still pretty cheap well, section of road. Again, as I always say, it would be probably more than that now, given the levels of consultation and land acquisition costs. While we're at it, I will throw in some costs for some of your other M9 schemes that we were talking about already. Uh, we okay. have uh, the first section, so Newbridge to Kirkleston, uh, mm-hmm. was 3.2 million. Bargain. And then the big section that you mentioned from Kirkleston up to Wath Allen, so Junction 4. Uh, it was seven point seven million. Mm-hmm. So that, that just brings us up to date with the figures. So that was yeah, yeah. No, so I can see I've contributed to the M. Yeah, itself. no, yeah, no. You re- you actually have. You've you've, <laughs> you've helped me out. You, if anything, it's been moral support. You know. Um, so going back to here, we we spoke about the, the there's a quite a big structure here that goes over the River Karen. Do you know the bridge? Oh yes, the I do. Piece, yes. You know the one because the canal's just south of the river. Mm, so yeah, like so you a, go over the two bridges. It's like a yeah. double mm-hmm. that it does there. Um, you mean, you remember we spoke about the A eight? Oh, we haven't spoken about this road, the A eight oh one, which is the road that runs down from Junction Four. Which, this is this handy road that goes between the M eight and the M nine with the Avon Gorge in the middle. Yeah, so this West Lothian uh, sort of a distributor route that yeah, cuts right across. That, that was actually built in there as part of the northern section as part of that contract. Okay, desperate know. for drilling that road has desperate been desperate for drilling. Hint, hint. Yeah, still yeah. there. I know that it's the Avon Gorge that's been the big problem no, uh, no. finishing that, but I think there's a city deal scheme that's been promoted by West mm, Lothian Council and Falkirk Council. Very, to see very that useful. WSP. P, I believe, are the engineering consultant who are working on the bridge, the viaduct that will cross the gorge. I would love to see plans for that. 
Well, if any WSP people are listening and they have any plans, please send them in. Yeah, just sneak us something from the office, exactly. Yep. <laughs> Shall we go north? Yes, please. Right, okay. So um, the section from um, what was Junction 7, so Kinnaird House, up to Pern Hall, which is Junction 9. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, this oh, is Bannockburn yeah. mm-hmm. um, up there. Um, this, this is a bit funny. All right, so I'm going to read from my notes here. Um, so this this was called the Long Dyke to Parent Hall section they done here. There was also a section built from the M8 of which was the M876 from Bowtrees, which overlapped it called North Broomage to Bowtrees. Yes. So uh, North Broomage was was on the M, the, the M876. Yeah. So they they built these two at the same time, but yeah. they're two separate contracts because the motorways overlap. Yeah. As you know. No, I consider these to be amongst the last of the original. Scottish motorway contracts. You know, we went through that intense period of construction from the 60s yeah, through because... to 1980. And in 1980, we had a bit of M90, we had mm-hmm. Bales Interchange in the final part of the Monkland, mm-hmm. and we had this part of the M9 and the right, because They both opened, so this section from Junction 7 up to Junction 9, and the last bit of the M876 opened in February of 1980. So, so a couple of months before uh, Bales Interchange couple. and Monkland Motorway to be, and another couple of months earlier again than um, mm-hmm. 90 up at Craig End, I think. Yes. I think that was the last bit. Yeah, yeah it was the yeah. last bit. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, the section, not including the M876, uh, it was uh, awarded at 8.4 million. Right. Uh, again, the engineer for that was Stirling County Council, and it was given to what I have here is that the, the motorway archive does say that this is Balfour Beatty, uh, but some of the newspaper articles say otherwise with different things. So we'll, we'll go with Balfour. Balfour Beatty, Balfour Beatty is, is listed in, in the information I've seen for that as well. Right, um, so that corroborates but, what it's saying in the motorway. But I know that Faircloth had mm-hmm. some involvement on, on some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, never know if some contractor went bust or something and Balfour came in and took over. It's possible, because I know that Balfour Beatty had some involvement in the Stirling Bypass as well, mm-hmm. as did Faircloth. That, that one needs Balfour a wee Beatty bit more... Balfour Beatty definitely did do the Stirling Bypass yeah. in sections. Yeah. They, they'd done it with Faircloth as well. So, anyway. Yeah, I think right. that, that's one that we, we need to do a wee bit of... There's a, there's a cool feature here. I mean, they, they've got a couple of junctions in this section. Uh, not talking about Pernod, but talking about... Um, uh, Canard House, which is Junction 7, and then this Hill of Canard, which is now, Junction 8. The, the thing that I know about Canard House is that that's the reason that the slip road coming from the M876 to mm-hmm. the M9 North is so tight, you know, the bend is so that's tight. That's right, so this is another that house. This is a trumpet interchange, just like Kirkliston, and it is very, very tight. So this was a, a free-flowing connection to get you on the approach to Concarden Bridge. So they had that there. Um, the other junction at Hill of Canard is a simple fork junction. Um, they have in that, in that bit but it's interesting something really off uh, something really odd and quite almost unique about this section of road between the M876 and where it meets the M9 mm-hmm. it's a three lane section but it also multiplexes yeah, now multiplex is a term uh, according to Sabre which is a society for all British and Irish road enthusiasts is a an area where you have two motorways both sharing the same amount of road with both known as the, the same number Okay, general. Well, put it this way: it, it is M9, but the M876 temporarily gets absorbed, and then it comes out again on the other side. The only other example of that happening 
is the the M60 and the M62. Right. Okay. So the the M60 takes over from the M62 and then it comes out again. Now the one feature I like about that particular part of the road is the sign gantries. That's right. It's got old-fashioned gantries yep. on it. And people might be aware, people who use the road regularly will be aware that the signage was renewed on that earlier this year mm-hmm. and it's made a huge difference. Uh, to those gantries because it was still the original they were looking very grubby weren't they they were getting old yeah Yeah, they were getting old that's all been renewed and uh, Mm -hmm. it's all looking wonderful if I do say so myself Mm -hmm. Uh, and and some of the the contractor who was involved in that has been involved in some of the Glasgow gantry work over the years so yeah being a a gantry fanatic as people say (laughs) about me I take a keen interest in these types of signage work gantry extremist extremist yes so uh, (laughs) it was good to see all that happen well I've just found something in my notes Uh, it was the the contractor construct this section of road going up was actually given to tarmac yeah and funnily enough in the big book here i've got the big book here that big book the bible uh, the big bible that's a motor re-achievement book yeah. uh, which we we don't rely on too much because it has a lot of inaccuracies about scotland mm. but we do refer to it now and again uh, and tarmac is what it says in there and i think graham yule's newspaper articles that he sent us over i think confirms that as well confirms tarmac that's yeah. right i just I, I just needed to catch up on my own notes yeah um so i went down there i don't know terrible <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's fine. And these sections opened in February 1980. Yeah. You know, as, yeah. as we said. All right. Now, a wee fact that I think I may have for you on this section of road. Did mm. you know? Did I know? Did you know? Right. And this this is this is based on old information. I don't know if it's still current. Okay. North of Junction 8. Mm-hmm. North of Junction 8. Between there and Bannockburn. That section of motorway, I believe, may be the quietest section of motorway in Scotland. No, come on, you've always been saying that Bishopton Bypass Stage 2 was Bishopton's really close. close, but I think 8 to 9 on the M9. Right, get up the AAD. We'll need to look up those figures. <laughs> well, we'll confirm it. I, that was something I heard years ago. Whether it's know, still current, I don't know. I like that section. It's always peaceful. You're right, actually. I find it quite a serene drive. Then again, you do get people doing absolute warp speed on it. Yeah. yeah I, I know the bit you're on about. You always know it's a quiet section of motorway when they're allowed to put closures on it during the day. And yes. that section gets them frequently for grass mm. cutting and the like. See collisions going on on the, on the southern sections of the M9 as well. Yeah, no, exactly. it, yeah, no, you're right. You're right. That is a very, very quiet bit. It's a bit I never use, you know, because I'm always taking the M876 or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Shall we go north? Yes, please. Yeah, okay. Last but not least. Well, just two, but we'll see what we have to say. So the, the last section here, um, sorry, the, the penultimate section I'm going to be talking about is from Junction 9, which is Pernhall, Bannockburn, whatever, and it goes up to Craigforth, which is Junction 10. This was known as a Stirling Bypass Stage 2, because Stage 1 had That's already been right. built. It's one of these crazy situations. Where again, the northern yeah. section was built, and this bit was left out. Okay, So this was also designed by Stirling County Council. Yeah. The contractor was Leonard Fairclough. That's Fairclough, yeah. 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 I knew Fairclough had someone involved. Is, is that Fairclough? Is that the Fairclough. way to say it? Right, yeah, Fairclough, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Um... Two contractors done this, okay? So uh, Leonard's done the section from Craigforth to Torbex and Balfour Beatty done Torbex to Pern Hall. Torbex is kind of halfway between Junction 9 and Junction 10. Yeah, you remember from my M80 episode Mm -hmm. uh, that we spoke about how the two contractors had different bits because they also got involved in the widening of the existing M80, E80, because that all came in as part of Stirling Bypass. That's right, and this is what what confused me for about half an hour today when doing the dates. So there are two dates for this. May 1974 comes up 
yeah. quite a lot for this one, but it actually opened in 1973. Yeah. It opened in December 1973, according to the, the newspaper, the Graham Yule, but they didn't have the pomp and ceremony until May 1974. Until all the other bits were done. Because they were also upgrading the M80, as you say, yeah. and there were the Denny Bypass and all these things. We went, right, yeah, yeah. that's all the blue lines on the map. Now we'll have the, the ribbon. Opening. Yeah. Because yeah. that was, funnily enough, that was the very last bits of mainline M80 to open. That's right, yeah. And well, no, no, it wasn't because you these the around Sterling it was the end of the Sterling bypass. The Sterling bypass, yeah. But there was still, as we just said, there were sections that opened in nineteen eighty. but yeah. this completed the Sterling bypass contract. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was opened by Lord Hughes. Okay. Okay. Uh, in in late May nineteen seventy four, mm-hmm. and it also kind of celebrated those those other upgrades as yeah. we said. There were quite a few archaeological finds that they had during this one. I oh, uh, can imagine there would be. This is a funny. <laughs> Just picked this one up from the newspaper. It makes me laugh. One rumoured was the lost sword shaft of King Robert the Bruce. Oh dear. Uh, however, it's the, the truth about it is not quite so romantic. It never does. Uh, and antiquitarians <laughs> from Edinburgh said there was probably an old iron used for cannons. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, land was also set aside for a service area that was subsequently built, which is Bannockburn. And that opened in 1983 and mm. was designed and built by Custine, I believe. And we've got a love couple of, of photos somewhere of that under love, construction. Love a bit of services knowledge, yeah, you yeah. know. So mm-hmm. no, it's it's great. So that's all I'm going to say on that. So this is the very the, the northernmost section. All right, the Sterling Bypass Stage One. Now that Sterling Bypass obviously runs west of the city, and it runs right. actually. There's an actual it's a very through seen... the battlefield of Bannockburn. I think and things it, like that. Yeah, oh, yeah. It, do, it does. Close to it anyway. It, it does, and you see you see the signs up there for it. But I find it a very scenic section. I love that section between Craigforth and yeah, because you're very much in the flat there but yeah. you're looking up at all the, the high ground all around be it yeah, the hills or the cool. castle or yeah it's a mm-hmm. nice bit of motorway designed by sterling county council and it was murdoch mckenzie uh, oh, good mother will come yeah 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 um, still on the go and it was opened in april 1971 so a few years before stage two yeah murdoch there. mckenzie famous for most of the uh, a725 schemes oh really it's still in existence in motherwell's mckenzie plant so there you go oh, okay well it's rare to hear these things still going mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um Interestingly, the bridge over the Forth, this is the one just north of Junction 10, Great Forth. So you've got the Prudential Insurance Complex in on the left. The bridge was designed by Fairthurst. Right. So they had they had input in this one. It's a big bridge that they have. There were some geotechnical challenges uh, here due to the what's what they say is compressible salts. Mm -hmm. Uh, So not salt silts. You know what I mean by silt? Very fine materials that you get in there that caused uneven settlement of embankments. So they had to build kind of massive embankments in these sections. Quite extensive floodplains in that part of the uh, the world as well. Kind of unusual old coal mine workings and things like that. But no, I I don't know. Favorite bit of the M9. I really like that very northern bit up there there's a bridge on that section of m9 between mm. junction 10 and junction 11 it's my favorite named bridge in scotland and it's la cropped la cropped la cropped i think there's there's a farm or a building or something down about there that's called la cropped la cropped la cropped uh, so, was it not some farm accommodation bridge or something like it that is a, it is a wee accommodation because there's quite bridge, a lot of farm yeah, accommodation there bridges is. around there uh, yeah. but it always sticks in my mind it's next to the church that sits on the hill on the right hand side as you're going north just before mm-hmm. you reach the roundabout at dunblane hmm. okay all right mm-hmm. um but the M9 story ain't that rosy, really, is it? Because it all comes crashing to an end at Kia Roundabout. Yeah, indeed. Kia Roundabout is something I'm very lucky to say I have never experienced congestion at it because I've never used it in peak times. You've been a lucky, John. 
But I understand from what I hear on the radio and what I see on Google, it's a nightmare. Mostly in the southbound side, mm. that has to be said. Not from the A9. From the A9 south suffers more than the M9 north. Mm. Um, A9 south can be a, can be a nightmare. So come on, Stuart, when's it going to fly over? Well, they announced when they were going to duel the A9 from uh, Perth to Inverness that all existing grade at-grade junctions on the A9 mm-hmm. would be provided with flyovers as well. Mm. Now, that's not until the end of the project or the that's end of the right, program. That's right, that's right. Because the priority I, is to duel so, stuff. So, you know, like your Broxton and, mm. and Keir and the other one in Perth that I can never remember the name of. Um, oh, Inveramond. Inveramond. Um, they're all supposed to be grade-separated eventually. Yeah. Inveramond um, will be fun. Yeah. You know, yeah. but maybe that's one for our A9 podcast, yeah. if, if that comes Indeed. along. Indeed. So, um, Keir Roundabout, yeah, that's that's the only problem up there. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a question that came through, Stuart. Do we have time to answer this yes, question? Yes, indeed we do. We'll, we'll fire this question very quickly uh, from um, Niall, Higgers, H- Niall Higson, uh, again on Facebook, who asked, on the M9, when you're coming up the M9, mm-hmm. past Bannockburn, why do you kind of have to go off the M9 to continue on it? You know, it's the M80 that becomes the main road, you know, coming through from the south. Mm-hmm. It's like almost like the M9 joins the M80 as yeah, part of slot roads, you even to, though it becomes M9. It's one of these turn off to stay on arrangements. Yeah, the main line through there appears to put you onto the M80. Yeah. Well, it's quite simple though, isn't it? Because the traffic flows are so much higher going the, onto yeah. the M80. I mean, the, the traffic coming from the south. Uh, from the Glasgow side, the west of the country going yeah. north, was that was anticipated to be the busiest. Well, that's, it is the busiest. That's how it actually ties in with the national strategic road yeah. network. When yeah. we're talking about the, the main roads, um, to, not to Glasgow, but also to the south, mm-hmm. the M74 to England as well. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. John, I must say, it has been a very interesting podcast. There's been a lot yes. of new facts and figures. But there is come up. still a lot to learn. Yeah. I'm sitting here saying, oh, I wish I knew that. I wish I knew. And I feel yeah. like half silly. So don't make me feel silly, guys. If you've got information, please tell us yeah. about the M9. And if you know anybody who worked at Stirling County Council or any of these authorities on that northern stretch, you know, let us know, get in touch. Yeah. Uh, it'd be fascinating because we do like to revisit these topics when we'll learn more, like we did recently with Renfrew mm-hmm. Bypass, and fill in some gaps. Yeah. So, no, but thank you, because it has been a road that I didn't know a great deal about, um, so it's been good to hear. What, what's generally your opinion of it, holistically? I, it, it provides, it's a crucial link in the central Scotland motorway system. Um, to be honest, that's kind of where my love for it ends. I, I don't have a lot of love for it. It's a very basic road, it's very functional, and it doesn't have a lot of things on it that make me go, oh, oh, oh. The like gantry, the, yeah. the gantries at Junction 7 and 8 are probably the for me personally, the most interesting feature of that entire mm-hmm. road. Uh, so that, you know, but it's functional. It does a job. It, it does. I mean, I have thought of it as boring. I've always thought of it as Scotland's M40. Yeah. Are boring, yeah. But, but I've actually learned quite a bit now and some of the engineering uh, behind the road and some of the stories have made it interesting for me. Yeah. But, you know, it complements the M8 quite well because it is an alternative corridor across. Yeah. And obviously, if anybody else wants to ask any questions or anything about yeah. what John spoke about, please feel free to send them in. Cool. Uh, as I say, very interesting podcast. Um, Thank you for that, John. I appreciate that. You're very welcome. Um, as always, thank you for listening to the, the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast. We are here to entertain you and to, to give you some <laughs> much-needed information and history on the, the road system. Dark July days. Indeed. Indeed. indeed, so. indeed. Uh, as always, if you want to find out more about the Glasgow Motorway Archive podcast, check us out on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. Mm-hmm. You'll find all of our episodes on there available to download and don't forget to give us a review as well it's always good to get a review on that and check us out on Facebook and Twitter Instagram all the usual channels for the daily fix of Glasgow Motorway Arts Guy for media indeed and we have lots more things coming up mm-hmm. uh, on social media and we're hoping there will be some events later this year mm-hmm. so stay tuned for those yeah 
But in the meantime, thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye.